We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. Hello and welcome back to the Walking With podcast. We are in a series called Amplified in which we are talking about how in quarantine, as the pandemic continues to consume us, all of the things that were already a thing are a bigger thing. And this week we are diving into addictions and idolatry. And so Chris, can you just kick us off by talking a little bit about what you have been seeing in that regard? Absolutely. So when we talk about addictions and why we've paired it here with the word idolatry is that um, addictions and idols are anything other than God that we go to for life. So we're going to something else other than God himself in order to receive the life that our hearts desperately desire and need. And so when we're in a place like this pandemic right now, right, we're all we all need life. We're all so overwhelmed by the uh, the hopelessness that we experience, the the separation that we experience, the the loss that we've experienced, that our hearts are desperate for life, and so all of the things that have gone on prior to this that may have uh, been a low level addiction or even something that we may have had some victory from in the past now suddenly find themselves resurfacing and so as i've been walking with people through this pandemic i've seen over time a slow and yet steady increase in people returning to previous patterns of addictive behavior that they had before and that's, that's just coming more and more and more as uh, the longer that this pandemic continues. So um, as we're talking about these addictions, I, I want to just kind of clarify what I mean. There's, there's the, the substance abuse addictions, right, where we're going to alcohol or drugs or nicotine. There's experience addictions which are, they're also called process addictions, which are more like gambling or uh, extreme sports or the adrenaline kinds of things, or, or pornography is one of those uh, process addictions, right? And so when we begin to talk about addictions, I think a lot of times people think, well, um, you know, alcoholism or heroin or those kinds of things. But I also want to talk about, and specifically in a lockdown situation, that the process addictions can actually get a little bit more uh, revamped and amplified again, uh, especially since we can't get access to as much maybe alcohol or drugs or, or, or whatever that we could have before. When you're talking about either of those categories, do they stem from the same source? Yes, absolutely. So there's something that is going on inside of the heart. I think when, especially when we're walking with someone, what's most evident are the symptoms or the behavior of what's going on 
inside. So we see what's on the outside, which is the, the actions that people are taking. But what we need to be attentive to and aware of is that there are things underneath, emotional things, relational things that are happening inside that then are driving the external behaviors. And so remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, the acronym STAB, um, stressed, tired, alone, and bored. And anytime that those four things begin to uh, increase, one of those four things, but especially in this pandemic situation, all of those four things are increasing, we're gonna, f we're gonna have the greater levels of anxiety, depression, disconnectedness, all of those which is gonna drive people back to the addictions that they they may have had before, like I said, or even some new possibilities that they've never considered before. Uh, so I think we need to be careful, especially in this in this season, especially when things are amplified. So for something that you do a lot of work around, you do a lot of counseling um, for this particular area, and that would be an addiction to pornography. Mm -hmm. You describe that as a process addiction. Um, I imagine a lot of that takes place in private spaces, private time. Everyone's together now. A lot of those individuals who you know you would work with, who would struggle found time you know at work in their office that's not happening now their kids might be running around mm -hmm. and yet you're saying it's still increasing oh, yes. can you speak to perhaps just logistically how that's happening what that looks like mm -hmm. yeah so globally there's been an increase in porn use of about 12 percent over pre-corona pre times. So porn use has grown about 12%. Here in the United States, it has grown about six, six and a half, seven percent So there is a definite you know, statistical, statistical increase in what we're seeing with regard to porn use. So then your question is valid, like, so when? When is this actually happening? And so what I'm, what I'm finding is that part and parcel with pornography is not just the use of the pornography, but the hiding of it. And so there's a lot more creative times and spaces where where people are finding uh, the opportunity to go use it and hide it. And sometimes it's even become more daring, more blatant. So, for example, someone could be sitting around in the living room with the family while everyone's reading books or reading, you know, articles or doing something, listening to music. And someone could literally be sitting there in the living room across the room from the family. And they're on their PDA, their, their device, right, that they're um, looking at, their phone, their iPad, their computer, whatever. The assumption is that they're doing email. But in, in reality, they're kind of sneaking peeks here and there. Uh, the other thing that's happening is that sleeplessness has increased significantly through the corona pandemic. And so people are finding themselves anxious and awake in the middle of the night. And so there's often the opportunity then to go sneak downstairs and, uh, and do something with pornography that previously they would have slept through the night or previously they wouldn't have you know even been awake at those kinds of hours so so there's there's opportunities that are happening um, that previously wouldn't have happened and actually people are taking a little bit more brazen opportunities than they were before so i've heard you speak a lot about the kind of the one of the root causes of a pornography addiction is a lack of connection that they're mm -hmm. seeking connection and can you speak a little bit to, is that the same right now in the increase? Is that what they're longing for? And again, they're around probably a lot more people in a significant way. 
how can they find, and then not around a lot of people mm-hmm. in a significant way, like both and, yeah. how can they find the kind of connection that their heart actually desperately desires? Yeah, well, when it comes to pornography addiction specifically, usually those processes began years and years ago. They don't just crop up. Sometimes they do. I don't want to you know, deny the fact that that could be a possibility right now. But for the most part, there's been some process that was established years and years ago. And it was in that younger boy, younger girl's life that there was some level of disconnection that then pornography in the sex industry took advantage of. And so the, the child, the teenager was feeling some level of distance or uh, not being emotionally attended to by their family or triangulated or, or, or something was going on in that family of origin that they then moved into a place of, I need connection and pornography was right there at the door waiting for them. And so um, it is definitely in a space of disconnection that comes from the internal, the historical uh, person, right? What has gone on before. The pandemic has now resurfaced some of that feeling of disconnection that I'm now not in my small group. I'm not with my you know, men's group or women's group. I'm not in my church. I'm not with the people that I have found and actually talked to at a deeper level than, uh, than, I've, than I'm used to. And so that disconnection has actually increased a little bit of that internal panic that people are like, I don't know what to do with this feeling of isolation. I don't know what to do with this feeling of disconnection. And so uh, it, it's definitely a subconscious kind of unconscious movement that m- draws them back to the place of the pornographic patterns that were established in the teenage years. So people are really uh, kind of going backwards in some ways in this. So what we need to be aware of is that um, the opposite of addiction is connection. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection, like Johan Hari says. And so um, we need to be aware, especially as we're walking with other people or even people in our own family, that connection is actually the thing that people need most, more than a correction of the behavior. Now, they do need some things in place for the behavior to be monitored and for there for there to be some, you know, we need to stop the bleeding in some ways and make sure that we're not continuing in those behaviors. But if we only focus on the behavior, we really miss the person. And so I think you're right. We've got, um, you know, the, the greater community and the disconnection that we have from the greater community. And now we're in a very small community. Uh, for those that have families, that small community is, you know, right there at home. And that small community may not be able to or aware of the depth of need of connection that the person has, right? So they, that, that might not be enough connection. That might not be enough for that person to really feel like they're connected to other people. So I think about our audience who are walking with people that they love, they care for, whether they're in an official role in that way as a full-time ministry leader or pastor, or whether they're just, you know, caring like that. How, let's say that one of our listeners is aware of someone that they're caring for and walking with who mm-hmm. has struggled in the past. Perhaps they've been kind of accountability for sure. them. They've discussed it before. They, they've been invited in mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. And now they're listening to this, aware that this might be increasing. What might that look like for them to walk with 
the person yeah, struggling. Yeah, I think I think the temptation again is for us to focus on the behavior. So when we're checking in with someone, we'll ask, "So how's it going?" With the insinuation that we're talking about, you know, so are you are you looking at porn, right? Or are, are you drinking too much? Like, so how's it going? Is more like that uh, behavior accountability check in, and so I am always about the heart accountability check in, where it's not how's it going, but how are you? How's your heart feeling? How are you connecting with your family? How are you connecting with other people? Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling depressed? To where we're at, those of us that are walking with others, that we're actually asking more of the heart level feeling questions, not about the behavior level um, action questions. Mm-hmm. And that that I think is important because it allows the person to recognize uh, that this this caregiver, this person, this pastor is not just interested in what I'm doing. They're actually interested in how I am. Mm-hmm. Well, give an example of one of the kinds you ask these questions and people immediately come to tears. You're like ninja questions. <laughs> give an example of something that is not just, are you sad? Are you lonely? But but a, a question that really elicits the heart. Yeah. Um, and this comes from having walked with someone and knowing some of their story beforehand. But I might come back to someone and you know start with one of those questions like, "Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Right? What what's going on for you these days?" But then I might ask a question that is specifically geared towards their story. So something along the lines of, um, "This is this is probably not the first time you've felt this, is it? Right? Um, I I remember a story that you told me you know a year ago, and uh, I'm brought back." to that portion of the fence in your neighbor's yard where the the magazines were hidden. I bet that's what this feels like too, doesn't it? And that is that brings you right into the space where they are their most vulnerable and their most needy, where they need to know that someone remembers the story that um, that they can't actually maybe access themselves because they're acting out of the behavior, not out of that young boy or that young girl who found the porn in the back fence, right? And that is that's where we need to go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I meant. I just got chills because <laughs> it's those kinds of questions mm-hmm. that make. And you're right; it makes the person feel seen mm-hmm. and, and remembered. known, remembered, mm-hmm. um, and it's a completely different level of engagement right. than behavior management. Right. The other thing I think that we should be doing as caregivers as we're walking with people is that um, to keep an eye to the glory that God has written into the life of this person and to speak into that. And so, you know, say that there's a confession or they're saying, yeah, I'm really struggling right now or, or something. Um, and, and I can respond with, here are the three things that you need to do to stop the behavior. Or I can respond with, that is actually not the person God made you to be, is it? Right? I can see beyond the behavior into who he designed you to be, and I have hope for that, that man or woman in the future. And that is the kind of accountability that I think actually changes things, where we hold people accountable not to stop the behavior, but hold them account- accountable to be and become the man or woman that God designed them to be. So I think as we are talking about what is amplified at this time, statistics are showing us that the porn use is amplified, which is that, again, that external 
action-focused, behavioral-focused response to this pandemic. But what we as caregivers need to be attentive to is that it's not about the behavior. What this is actually showing us is that people are hurting now more than they were before. And so to uh, have a focus on, well, yes, things are bad, things are whatever, that, that's not actually going to be helpful. What is going to be helpful is to remember that people need us now more than they ever did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. And I hope that as you walk with those that you love and care for in this crazy season, some of that you find to be valuable. I just want to encourage our listeners to not forget to go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you haven't, would you leave a rating, a star rating, or even a review that we just love seeing that and are always encouraged. It also just helps bump it up in the podcast world. And you can follow us over at RestoryLabs.com where you'll find a bunch of other things that we have for you, some resources we have for you, especially as you're walking with others. We'll see you same place, same time next week.